You're listening to Strictly Business Podcast with Lindsay Williams. It's Monday, so it's Shapiro Will with David Shapiro from Sassfin Securities. David, pretty quiet start to the week, but I get the sense that it's the calm before the earnings season and budget storm. The budget, of course, coming up on Wednesday, the 20th of February, and Tito has got an unenviable juggling act to do. And we've got some numbers coming out throughout the next four to six weeks, and that's also going to define, I think, the local sector of the JSE. I, I think it's a very crucial couple of weeks coming up. Um, I don't know if you're aware, you're not sitting where I am, but we've entered stage four uh, load shedding. I heard means, that. Uh, which is tragic. I mean, it's it's a situation that we've got ourselves in that's very difficult to get out of. Um, stage four is, is, I don't know, they withdraw something like almost 10% of the uh, amount of electricity that's available from the system, which mm. you can handle for a day or two, but you can't do it on a consistent basis. Moody's have come out as well. I don't know if you've seen the Rand also weaker at about 13.70. So it's popped a little um, on, on worries about what they said about the, uh, uh, about the strategy that the government are adopting to ask them. It's not going to change anything. No, exactly. Let me just read anything. that to you, actually, because it came hmm. out about uh, three, four hours ago. It says, ratings agency Moody's has said that splitting Eskom into three entities may make the utilities' cost structure more transparent, but the split does little to address the debt-laden power utilities' financial hmm. challenges. And as I said to somebody earlier on, it's almost like rearranging the deck chairs on yep. the deck of the Titanic. You can shift the problem to the government's balance sheet, and I don't know what the financial details are, but really splitting into three separate entities, it's not as though it's listed on the JSC and therefore investors will say, well, I'll take the power generation part mm. and I'll leave the other part. It's it's a desperately, desperately difficult situation. Uh, I- exactly what you've said now. And the worry is that it might be transparent and they might run separately, but you're going to need three boards and also, you're going to need some dramatic action in each one of those, which I don't think they've got the appetite to do ahead of an election. So the RAND has weakened, but I think more tragic is that uh, this is a you know this is a series of self goal of uh, own goals, uh, because the, the, one of the two of the issues that are causing problem are the new power stations that came on Madupi and Kasili, mm. which are supposed to have alleviated our, our situation. So we're going back six years to where we were, you know, when darkness came across the, across the country. So it's a very, very tragic situation. And it's going to, it's also going to play on sentiment. So, you know, when you say we're coming into an important time, it is very important. What they plan to do, I can only see a selling some non-core assets within Eskom in order to raise the money and alleviate the situation. I'm not sure what Eskom owns that could be just sold off uh, in, in some kind of fire sale to get some money. Um, the other thing, you know, looking ahead to the budget, there's very little margin to raise taxes in any area. Um, the only way is, is, is hopefully that we don't spend a lot and cut back on the spending, but that you're taking away from the economy as well. You know, you're taking away from, there is no fixed investment. There is no investment in the economy to either to maintain the current infrastructure or grow it. There is absolutely nothing. So I think, I think, uh, government find themselves, um, very, in a very difficult situation. We can talk and we can joke and we can laugh and, and put on fancy suits, etc. But I think things are fairly desperate here 
looking at where we are at the moment. The situation with Eskom is a tragic one. You used the word tragic earlier on, but if you go back decades, I think what happened was that the apartheid government said, we have got a world-class electricity supplier here, yeah. and they really, yeah. really did, for better or yeah. for worse. Whether they did it in the correct way or not, that doesn't matter. We're not talking about political ideology here. I'm no. talking about the fact that it was a cheap, world-class supplier. But they didn't think that the political dispensation in South Africa would change and therefore the black middle class would grow. So they didn't, they didn't plan for this demand. And what I don't understand, David, is I spoke to a, a chap who's a small and mid-cap analyst this morning around about nine o'clock. I phoned him up. And his phone wouldn't work. And he said, Lindsay, the, the network has been completely overloaded because everyone's using their mobiles rather than other means because, yeah. because there's no electricity in yeah. Santon, yeah. uh, in Johannesburg, and also in Cape Town. And it had gone yeah. down. Why didn't we know about this? Is it wet coal? Is it coal that can't be transported to the power stations? Is it the wrong type of coal? What suddenly happened between this time last week when we were speaking and today that South Africa has got no electricity we, we don't know. They, they haven't let us know. Um, it could be that there's faulty, uh, uh, that there are faults with the system, or, you know, that there's a breakdown of the mechanism that uh, distribute or to generate. Uh, we don't know anything. Um, you know, no one's, no one's got a grip on it. Uh, I'm sure that there's some desperate means to, to try and get whatever facilities are closing down or causing the problems to get them up again. But also that points to mismanagement and just a lack of foresight. Mm. You know, just to go back to what you said, we had what you've got to understand is, number one, we sold uh, electricity to our neighboring states. And the other thing is that if you go to Bayside, um, Hillside, the aluminium plants, you know, aluminium is nothing more than uh, use of electricity to convert or to, to manufacture or produce aluminium. We had so much electricity that we were able to allow uh, aluminium to be produced here for which we do not have the basic raw material. So that gives you an idea of how much excess we had in those days. But uh, um, no planning. So I think in the late eight, in the late 90s, going into the turn of the century or just holding back development has really cost us uh, dramatically. So also... The other thing, Lindsay, you can't ignore is that uh, we've just had bumbling people just, you know, running the um, running Eskom, and many much of it was run for their own self enrichment rather than for the good of the country. What about uh, so, some investment analysts that have just flown over? They're, they're saying to themselves, "Well, I'd like to see South Africa. I'm going to have a few meetings before I attend the Cape Town budget breakfast and pre-budget things ne next week. Wednesday, the twentieth, is the South African 2019 budget." presentation by Tito Mbueni, the finance minister. So they've come a week early and they're going to enjoy the sights and they're going to enjoy the hospitality of South Africa and its natural beauty and also attend some meetings. And they get to their hotel and the hotel or on the, on the television in the hotel, they say, well, actually there's load shedding. The hotel itself will, of course, be turned on because it, yeah. it's got its own generator or something. But what does an international investor or analyst say when it's in a country that hasn't got electricity? Well, you can't. You know, there's, there's absolutely no way you're going to invest in it because there's no certainty of what lies ahead. There's no guarantee. So uh, we can sit around a table and make all the promises. But uh, the last five, six years or 10 years have shown us that 
there's no uh, sustainability of those promises. There's no there's no guarantee that that supply will be given. And it's and you know the biggest consumer are the mines, and uh, you know a single mine can consume more than a city. Mm-hmm. They're going to be the ones that have to suffer the load, and that's the area that we're trying to focus on with attracting foreign investment. In his address on Thursday, Sarah Ramaphosa acknowledged that ESCOM was in a state of crisis, it says here, and Mm. uh, I thank you to fin24.com for giving me this, saying that the state would support ESCOM's balance sheet. The Mm. president said that the Minister of Finance, Tito Mbawini, would provide further details in the budget speech. What what more details do you need? Well, that's what I'm saying. The only details that I can think of or that he's going to sell off some non-core assets. They might have excess property. They might have excess, uh, build, I don't know, uh, uh, certain little businesses that they run that are not part of the core. It could be something like that in an attempt to to raise whatever capital they can. Um, why I say that is that I can't see anywhere else they cannot raise income tax. Uh, number one, this is an economy that's slowing down. So you can't take a small part of the population and increase taxes. You know, you get the Laffer curve. The more you increase it, the, the less tax you're likely to rise. To mm. raise, people will stop working. They'll immigrate. They'll have had enough. They won't declare, um, and and uh, and so on. So, um, I, you know, it's it's for me, it's a, almost a crisis, a national crisis. That uh, I know it's a crisis, but I think. The government have got to think a lot more laterally on, on, on how to, uh, f- you know, to fix these issues. The other thing is, you see, they they're so politically minded. Even when it comes to splitting up into different companies and uh, the state starts to embark, they're still going to stick to their political ideology without trying to get the right people in to come and help us actually get out of this mess. And that's my big fear that they'll still be, you'll still have. Uh, call it the, the, the ultra left, or I don't know which in, in terms of politics what we call, you know, calling the uh, calling for a continuation of the present policies that have got us here. <laughs> it's I, I don't know. It's very difficult. It's the rand has gone from. Diff- it's very difficult. Yeah. It's very very difficult indeed. The rand has gone from thirteen twenty five a week or ten days ago to its current level of thirteen seventy five, and you t- if you take that fifty basis points and divide it by the thirteen twenty five, it's a significant underperformance mm. for a very significant yeah. emerging market. Currency And, of course, that has boosted the JSE because of the Rand hedge stocks. The JSE today, as we pre-record this interview, is up around about 0.7%. The futures market, the all-share top 40, is up 1% at the moment. But it's all... It's all a rand story. It's not a domestic stock story at all. Let's have a look at some of the sure. the top five up and down with the lack of corporate news today. We have to look at the movers, if I can find them. Discam up four and a quarter. Discam up four and a quarter percent. Yeah, Discam has been under quite a lot of pressure this year. You know, mm. it's be, it's come down from that over the last year from thirty nine. So it's it's reached a little bit of a bottom. They might be sorting out. I haven't seen an announcement from them, but they might be sorting out some of the problems that they've had with the unions that have uh, kept them from, you know, kept them back. Um, so I, you know, it was looking at a, a, a cheap British American tobacco, Mondi. I'm just calling the next. In the top end of the market, uh, NASPAS, all of those, Hammerson, Netcare, uh, well, Netcare maybe, but uh, Richmond are all a Rand story and all on the back of global markets that are starting to look a bit better for whatever reason. I'm, I'm a little perplexed by, you know, why global markets are, are picking up. I'm not unhappy by it. But um, also, you know, if you look outside, uh, Lindsay, we, we've still got trade talks, we've still got Brexit, we've still got shutdown looming, mm. um, we've still got quite a few things that we have to get through there. But uh, nonetheless, I think um, 
uh, you know, global markets a bit better. So that's where we're getting the, you know, that's where we're getting the kind of um, the push. If you look at the other end, you've got Woolworths down another 2.5% on further resignations and worries. And then um, making up the bottom end are all local, you know, local businesses. Just, I think, investors, investors worried. Lindsay, the one thing, no one knows where to go. <laughs> you know, if you're running a local portfolio, uh, it's very difficult to uh, to know where to put uh, your money, and I wouldn't be surprised if if if, if investors or money managers are just opting for uh, for cash, you know, just staying with cash. Why I say cash is because even though the long end of the market, I'm talking about bonds, looks attractive um, because of uh, um, you know at eight or nine percent. What happens if Moody's do decide to pull the plug and downgrade us, or you know, if if the economic circumstances here continue to deteriorate, those rates could go higher and therefore put pressure on on your investments. Mm. Difficult one, very very difficult, and very very important couple of weeks coming up for South Africa, David. So we're going to have to wait for earnings season to confirm or deny what's going on. But I can tell you one thing: that a small business, a micro-sized business, a small to medium-sized business, no matter what it is, is going to be affected should this load shedding mm. go on. And therefore, yeah. you've got to be very very careful of a stock that is plying its trade specifically in South Africa. And I'm not being dramatic about this, but a, a mm-hmm. week of this load shedding. And it crimps your earnings. Of course it does. Let me, let, I want to explain one other thing that no one appreciates. It's not that the lights go out in your house. Every traffic light in the city stops working. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> so the chaos that it causes on the roads, uh, the safety issues, because you can't put a uh, pointsman at every intersection in this country that has a traffic light. So at the end, I mean, you have no idea what 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 uh, these kind of issues produce to your daily life. You want to go out, you know, for a meeting or something. It, it's absolute chaos, and uh, you can't have generators generating those kind, you know, ge- the lights because they they're driven by whatever suburb they're in. I had the misfortune of just going out at lunchtime today, you know, where every traffic light's out, so it stop, oh, start, look around, wait for you, and people are perplexed. They don't know what to do because. You know, you you you've got four sides at you, and some people are turning, others are not. <laughs> very very, that's it's chaos. <laughs> yeah, it's not good. Hopefully, it'll just be a short term thing. David, we're going to cut the market talk short now because uh, next week we're going to be talking about lots of sets of results from various companies mm. that have come out with recent trading statements. So we must talk about something. Also, as, as interesting as and as important, and that is the demise of Chelsea Football Club. They lost 4-0 to Bournemouth. <laughs> they beat Huddersfield 4-0, but, I mean, I could beat Huddersfield 4-0 on my own. Mm-hmm. And then they lost 6-0 yesterday to Manchester City. Manchester City, back on form, and um, Kun Aguero, what a player he is. Two hat-tricks in five days, I think, he, he scored. But Chelsea, I mean, come on now, Abramovich, do something. Get, get a manager for the long term. He seems to have lost interest because there doesn't seem to be anything happening there. I'm not sure whether I'm on the right track or not, but they they were one of the favourites at the beginning of the season and right until a few, maybe a month ago, wherever it was, they were up there. They were giving it a go. to the three clubs that we thought would, would it was Chelsea, Liverpool, um, and Spurs. Spurs was the outsider and Spurs doing pretty well in there. Chelsea have just fallen apart. Once they lost the first game, they just fell away. He didn't I mean, the, um, these losses, these losses are big. Six nil. 
Chelsea lost 6-0. They've never lost 6-0 in the Premiership ever. That's that's their worst ever defeat. I mean, the last time they lost 6-0 was probably when Kerry Dixon was playing for them back in the (laughs) 1980s, 90s, whenever it was. was, It's been so many years. But the the manager didn't shake Pep Guardiola's hand at the end. He just stormed down the tunnel. I don't think you'll see him again. What, humiliated? You mean just... Humiliated, yeah. Mm, anyway, okay, How David. Tragic. Thank you very much okay. for your time this evening. That's David Shapiro from Sassman Securities in Johannesburg, yeah. and that was Shapiro World.